Hello, we are Hi. back with another episode of do, 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 do. Still So Young Podcast. Today, as you already kind of, you heard another voice, we have a super special guest. Her name's Hannah, and she's going to talk to us all about movement. Sorry, let me reintroduce Hannah. We are <laughs> going to be talking to Dr. Hannah Doc. Garrett, <laughs> doctor, and doctor is going to tell us all about movement <laughs> and women's health. Yay! Woo! Boop, 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 boop. I, right, love being... being... <laughs> I love it. I love being called doctor because it uh, makes my very expensive education kind of worth it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just goes off the rails. Um, Hannah, what would younger you be happy about this week? <laughs> this is like an excellent start to the podcast. Um, really younger, <laughs> younger me, little me. Um, I would say that I'm just proud of myself this week. And little me would be happy that I actually wrote a letter to my representative and that's just something I haven't done before and I did the research that I needed to do on how to do it and it wasn't very hard and I urge everyone else if there's any concerns you have about anything going on that you just be a grown-up and write your representative. Also don't be afraid to call them I think there's phone numbers as well and Mm -hmm. email addresses and that's their job they're supposed to take your concerns and feedback Mm -hmm. so don't be afraid to let them know your thoughts and feelings yeah what would little reese be happy about oh 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 it's always a surprise when this question comes up and i never Mm -hmm. have an answer um what would she be happy about oh She'd be happy about the fact that on Sunday, she's mm-hmm. leaving for Hawaii. So when oh, this ep- when this episode comes out, Reese will be in Hawaii with some of her lovely friends. This is a last minute trip, and I'm so excited! I'm gonna go on a little surf trip. Oh, some runs on the good. beaches. Yeah. Who are you going with? Um. Um, okay, Melster and Darby and Ben. Oh, fun. Yeah. That'll be so um, exciting. And Darby just got a surfboard, right? Yep. I don't think she's going to bring it with just because it's a little spooky, scary to fly with your board. Oh, right. But there's I a place to. where we can rent them, and I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm that'll excited. be so fun. I have, like, a thing for missing holidays. Like, I don't think I've... <laughs> since i since high school i think i've like missed just as many thanksgivings as i've shown up to Mm -hmm. this is is at least the fourth one i've skipped fifth one fifth one Mm -hmm. i'm on five yep i mean i just go because there's food but i would rather go to a beach if i could yeah well also thanksgiving's not like super fun when you've been like a vegetarian for 10 years and are gluten-free right and I also, yeah. hot take, I don't like pumpkin pie. Um, 
So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you there. I, I haven't been to Hawaii yet. Um, if you, you ever come. want to do a surf trip to Costa Rica, okay. I love Costa Rica. And that's where I learned learned how to surf, in quotes, because can't say I could do it again. But that's my introduction to surfing was in Costa Rica. And it was wonderful. You actually did it on a study abroad trip. Yeah. And I learned about surf culture and that was very enlightening. And that can be a whole separate podcast episode if you're ever interested really in learning about surfing. Yeah. I would love about to the talk surf culture. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Um, okay. So we are going to read some of your answers on what younger yous would be happy about this week. Um... Well, we're going to read Maggie since Maggie's not with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg's was, or younger Meg's was happy about that she visited Duluth with her college roomies the other weekend. They had a little alumni trip and it looked really fun. They saw the gopher game, the gopher dog game. Oh, I did see she was up. That's so fun. Yeah. I love a little Duluth trip. Um... Antonia, which I I feel like I know her now because of listening (laughs) to the pod, and she just sounds like someone I would love to be friends with, so shout out to you, Antonia. Let's be friends. Um, She said, I'm crocheting a little Snoopy. I used to crochet in middle school, and I'm picking it back up. And girl, we would be friends because look at this. I just started crocheting again. (laughs) Look at you. Oh, so, I like those colors. I know. It's very 70s. Yeah. I, I have no plan for what this is going to be. It probably is going to turn into a scarf because that's like the easiest thing you can make is just a long piece of fabric. But I would love to get to a point where I could do like a hat. Yeah. Did you know hot girls crochet at the bar? Oh, that sounds like such a me move. I would love to do that. Mm hmm. Um, I learned this from actually one of my friends was knitting at the bar and taught me how to knit at the bar. But I love that. Hot, hot girls knit at the bar or crochet at the bar because then they only end up talking to other girls because it's other gals that are interested in the craft mm-hmm. at hand. And it also, I think, mm-hmm. keeps boys away. So it's like a win-win. They're like, she's up to something and, and she's very focused on the task it's at hand. I should be doing yeah. And I, I like that. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I'm just here to get a fun little drinky drink and crochet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I have the giggles today. Um, <laughs> Sophie is getting a kitten. So Sophie must have a kitten by now. And I request that you send a kitten picture to the Instagram account. Thank you. Also, what's the kitty's name? Is it an orange kitty? My neighbor growing up was obsessed with the twins, and she named her kitten Joe Meower. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Joe Meower. That's adorable. Um, Grace said, taking accountability and deciding to make changes instead of avoiding slash hiding from problems, which I definitely can resonate with that. In terms of once my brain fully developed, 
at 25. I suddenly realized a lot of things and I'm still realizing a lot of things at 26 and definitely feel that one probably weekly of trying to hold myself accountable and almost parent myself in a way. So I like that one a lot, Grace. Dude, the second year that brain develops, it's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. It really is. Nothing's no, that like deep, everything. but also everything is that deep. <laughs> everything makes sense. It's just crazy. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you everyone for sending in your answers. And uh, we pop this up every Monday, or like at least every start of the week. And mm-hmm. we love to see your answers. Um, they're not as hard as it seems. And if you don't want us to share your name, just say anonymous, and then we won't. Mm-hmm. And on that note, because I forgot to do this at the intro, because I got being allowed to intro taken away from me, um, <laughs> make sure to like, rate, and subscribe. We love a good five-star <laughs> moment. It makes us feel good, helps us sleep at night. Um, and uh, yeah, leave us a kind review. We are some words of affirmation girlies up in here. So say nice things about us and um, share us with your friends. That's one of the best ways to help a podcast grow. So peace and I, love. I did really like what Maddie wrote about you guys. That was really sweet. And I follow Maddie too. How do you say your last name? Marquette? Oh, hi, Murphy. Hi. Um, what she, I also have a dog just like Reese who likes to be in the background and <laughs> join in on the fun. Hi, buddy. Yeah. But I loved what Maddie said because I felt that way too in terms of listening to you guys and feeling like I'm just having a conversation with my gal pals and I'll listen to you guys when I'm cooking or cleaning or walking Murphy and it's really nice because I mean right now I'm kind of alone I'm perfectly content with that but you just need some gal pals every now and then I think we need a girls camping trip round too I know I was gonna text you about that actually okay we'll get a girls trip planned it'll be in the works yes it will since that's kind of how this was born. Mm-hmm. On that note, um, we're gonna dive in mm-hmm. to to the to the topic at hand. A um, little background on Dr. Hannah Garrett. <laughs> Dr. Hannah actually used to have her own podcast, and she was one of the inspirations to us starting a podcast. Um, uh, Dr. Hannah was the friend that I talked about in one of the early episodes uh, about making friends, about how sometimes you just got to slide into the DMs, show up in the state someone lives in, and then you just become pals. Mm-hmm. Good pals. You just get to know each other on a camping trip. And... Um, Good pals who gatekeep Stanley Idaho because it sucks. Because Stanley no sucks. <laughs> no one should go there because it's... It's our secret spot. It is. It's our secret spot that no one ever knows about because Stanley sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, Dr. Hannah is yeah. going to tell us a little bit about everything. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess I should just... I, for, I forgot to listen to Reese's instructions at the beginning and introduce who I am. So, 
My name is Hannah Garrett. I am doctor, kind of. <laughs> I have a clinical doctorate. Um, I love being called doctor by the people in my life who <laughs> respect <laughs> respect that degree of education because it's a lot. But like, as so, I'm a physical therapist. As a PT, we just go by our first names with our patients because we do so much rapport building, and it's just nice to be on a first name basis with patients. But I have my clinical doctorate in physical therapy. I just received that this past June from the University of Minnesota. I met Reese when I was at University of Minnesota Duluth um, for my undergrad in exercise science. I have a bachelor's of applied science in exercise science and then a minor in psychology. Um, I also previously have taught group fitness and yoga classes. I'm very into integrative and holistic medicine very much think that that's kind of the trail that I'm headed down because I think it's important to look at whole body systems and try to find where Eastern and Western medicine meet, um, you know, per scientific literature and research, of course, like evidence-based practice still. But yeah, I just thought it would be fun to talk about uh, movement, movement medicine, movement as medicine, and women's health today. Yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um you are what are you, what is your job currently? What are Oh yeah. What am I doing now? Yeah. Um so I am a traveling physical therapist at my very first job since passing my board's exam back in July, which highly don't recommend that. That sucks. So <laughs> if you want to if you want to do PT just don't. <laughs> okay, you can, but like that just sucked. Uh, and of course, Murphy just wants, he wants to hang out. So Murphy is uh, my companion here. He's half German Shepherd, half Blue Healer. And him and Indigo, Miss Indy, are very similar in personality. So sometimes Murphy's a little bit more neurotic. But yeah, that's kind of my plan is to be a traveling physical therapist with my dog while I'm young and single and um, have the whole kind of world ahead of me. I extended my contract. I'm currently in Northern Minnesota, close to Grand Forks and Crookston. Um, I extended my contract through the end of March. So I will be in Minnesota for some time and, uh, then hopefully head out West somewhere. I love Idaho and I spent some time there last year and it was amazing. And then, um, would love to explore Washington, Oregon, and potentially California as well. Sick. Yeah. Dude, that's exciting. How you like yeah. Crookston? It's really not that bad. I mean, it's a small town, but I have a very soft spot in my heart for small towns, small town communities in terms of like hospital care, because I'm a hospital-based PT right now. It's just nice because everyone gets to know you. There's a slower pace of life. It's not as high of a turnover rate in terms of like down on the Twin Cities. My last two internships were very high caseloads. I was seeing mm-hmm. patients every 30 to 40 minutes. Here I see patients every hour. So you just get more one-on-one time with people, quality care, people get to know you. I mean, everyone wants to treat you kind of like family, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And it makes the days 
go by quickly and um, makes you feel like your job is actually making an impact, which I really appreciate. So I'm doing pretty good here. Do you prefer doing rural medicine stuff? Yeah, I think when I was out in Idaho, I was at a rural hospital and had a lot of fun with it too because of the same experience of it just feeling like I had more of an impact on a smaller community that really needed high quality providers, not calling myself high quality by any means. I'm still new enough to this, but just knowing that I can make a difference and it can be a pretty big difference when people who don't get as much care are receiving good quality care. Like here they really needed a PT, which is why I filled that position as a traveler and um, me being here has offloaded a lot of um, people that were on the wait list for like ever. Mm-hmm. I think they had like 70 people on the wait list. And then within a month of me being here, they were off of that super long wait list. And so one person can make a big impact is kind of the moral of the story. So if you think that you're not making a difference in what you're doing, you probably are. Because one person has the power to change a lot of things that it's that ripple effect so yeah that's cool okay um so a lot of our listeners are in that age range of being like recent grads or like early career and I feel like a lot of us have gone from maybe living a more active life to now we have nine to fives and that, you know, does take up a lot of time and you don't move around quite as much as you would hope or expect. Do you have any like tips or advice or thoughts or feelings on how to keep up with the movement, how to not let your wrists and elbows get sore from being at the computer all day and that back and Mm -hmm. the aches and pains of being a corporate girly or boy? Yeah. Anyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I um, phrased that as a question, but that's what I got. <laughs> um, so I would just right off the bat to look into if you work somewhere, like a corporate job, look into what um, services your company provides in terms of like an ergonomic Um, assessment of your workstation. A lot of people don't realize that that's typically a service offered to them by companies and that like getting a sit to stand desk is typically not that hard to request. And a lot of companies are really good about um, doing that nowadays. Like one of the um, nurse practitioners at the hospital I'm at has a really nice sit to stand desk and I'm always walking by her office and Um, Obviously, I work in healthcare, so sometimes those type of things can be a little bit more seemingly accessible, but many corporate um, jobs, like office jobs, have caught trend of that and realized that it's good to give your employees better positioning when they're working all day at a computer. So I would look into either like an ergonomic assessment or requesting a sit-to-stand desk because even just standing can be really good if you're on the computer all day. And then um, in terms of like, let's say you work from home and you're at the computer a lot, 
there's some really good tools you can look into. Um, I see them all over TikTok, honestly, and, and I don't work from home, but I've always been like, oh, these are good ideas. So one is you could look into a nice stability ball. Um, my friend Kate has one that I am obsessed with every time I go over there. I love to sit on it. And it's like covered in fabric. It's not just like a standard yoga ball. It's like it would be nice decor in your room, too. Like it would probably blend in really well. Um, mm-hmm. And that like sitting on that can just cue you to not have as poor a posture, because as we know, a lot of times our posture is really bad when we're sitting at a desk and we hunch over and um, we don't have the bodies that we did when we were in undergrad where we can just bounce back from sitting at the library for five hours. Mm-hmm. So sitting on something like a yoga ball is just an, you know, an example of a minor tweak you can do because then you're engaging your core a little bit better. It'll cue you to use your posture um, in a more upright manner. I think also making sure that like right now, as we're recording this, I took my computer and I elevated it on some books because you always want to have your computer eye level with you. And then obviously like my keyboard is up here. So if I had to type, it wouldn't be the most convenient location because I'm having to raise my arms up because my computer is raised. So then what you can do is have a wireless keyboard lower down so that your arms are relaxed, your wrists wrists are relaxed, and then same with like a wireless mouse. So those are all things too that can be accessible through your company if they provide those services. Just doesn't hurt to ask. I think that's the biggest thing is people don't realize that there are services offered and it doesn't hurt to ask. So are you saying that me laying in bed right now recording the podcast isn't the most ergonomical position to be in? Um, I can uh, neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, I think the thing is too with ergonomics, it's like it's not the end of the world, right? Like, yeah, a lot of people they can sit all day in a funky position and it doesn't affect them. A lot of people, it's like I sit in one position weird for twenty minutes and it now my back my back is really like uncomfortable for a few days. So I think. Trying to learn what your body's patterns are is also important. That's a big thing that I actually work on with my patients with chronic pain is people are just out of touch with their bodies. They just don't know what their body does, how it responds to things, because we often just aren't paying attention. Even people who are really physically fit or active, they sometimes get lost in those activities and they're just completely checked out. Like it's a mindless behavior, like, which can be great. Like a lot of people will be like, I run for 10 miles and I'm just like, I don't even, I'm not even there. I'm just running. Mm -hmm. And that can be great. But the other caveat with that is disconnecting from your body. And many people don't realize that when you aren't connected with your body, it can allow for things to go unnoticed for a long enough time that then you're like, whoa, why is this big change in my body, you know, so extreme? And it's probably been an accumulation of small things over time that you just haven't noticed because you've been disconnected from your body. So I think it's good to track throughout the day. Like when am I noticing I'm starting to feel tight. Is it around noon? Is it around 
too. Do I hunch my shoulders up as I'm getting more stressed? Is this a busy work week? Like when I have more stress or tasks to do at work, how does that affect my body? Um, how often am I moving? Am I getting up every hour, every few hours? Am I staying hydrated enough so that I have to use the bathroom consistently? Um, there's a lot of questions that you can start asking yourself that'll help you find out more about your body and its patterns so that you can connect to it a little bit better. That's actually really like interesting to think about. I like do not track in any way, shape or form like how I'm feeling throughout the day. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, damn, I'm sore. But then it's also like, wait, I also didn't actually have my standing desk go into standing today. Or I was at the standing desk all day, but wore shitty shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's its own thing. Um, well, it sounds like you kind of you kind of have dropped into that a little bit. There is some pattern recognition going on there, so give yourself some credit. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. No, I have recently <laughs> learned that. Um, I Okay, I am an old lady with old lady pain all the time, and mm-hmm. I think that I just between, like, all the editing because it was busy time of year for, like, photo stuff and then, like, being at work – I had been, like, sitting wrong for so long that I was starting to have a lot of, like, wrist and elbow pain, probably just from, like, the angle and then also just, like, overuse. And I had to take – I had to adjust some things. But it's helped. Mm -hmm. So that's my little little fun. I feel like artists are the hardest on their body, like all artists. Whether like no matter what medium it is, if it's photography, painting, writing, playing an instrument, singing, artists are just, you know, like you got to do what you got to do, right? So mm-hmm. it's different than like an a recreational activity or a sport or um, even like a office job. It's just different, and a lot of times you don't have time to think about those things. You just have to do whatever your art is in that moment, and. So the repetitive use is very common with artists. Repetitive use injuries. Very really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was in PT school, we had a really awesome lecturer from down in the cities who talked about overuse injuries with musicians, like professional musicians, um, especially with like violin players, um, guitar players, uh, anything with like a lot of upper body use very Mm -hmm. common to have repetitive injuries and that makes sense and he also talked about how a lot of that stems from in the arts the mindset regarding learning your um, medium whatever it is whether it's music or art or photography is that practice makes perfect and you just have to keep practicing and keep doing it and over and over and over and never really take a break Mm -hmm. um I know that might not be the case for everyone in the arts and that some people are like, oh, it's really easy to take a break from this type of activity. But like for writing, for example, so I love writing. Sometimes you just get into an idea and into a flow state and you just can't stop and you just keep writing and you keep staying in the position you are in. And it's like five hours later and you got what you wanted done because that's the artistic flow. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, your body is paying a little bit of the price Um, because we aren't the most resilient to repetition injuries. We really, our bodies really need breaks and we need rest. 
So I think it's important to consider that too, when it comes to any sort of outside of work activities that you might do that are requiring a lot of repetition of just making sure you're giving your body a break. Do you want to talk about that more repetition injuries with like, and like rest and stuff with Mm -hmm. our hobbies and our bodies? So I feel like sometimes with age, you start to get more siloed into like, you have two to three main hobbies, you know, whether it's like Mm -hmm. lifting or running or whatever it may be, just because it's like you have only so much time and you can only hold so much space for so much things. So I feel like people really, especially with like movement, fall into a track of like, I, let's say I climb all summer and fall and early spring and then I ski all winter. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like three months into the summer, but you still have all the fall left and you're like, fuck, <laughs> I can't move my body as I have or like, you know, you start to have more like climbing injuries or pain mm-hmm. with that. So, yeah. um, do you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think so kind of in the same vein as the other question that you had regarding like working too. We're in this stage of life. A lot of people who are, you know, out of undergrad where the weekday is work and then the weekends are play. So many people forget to incorporate play into the work week and they forget to incorporate rest into the weekend. And so many people become these weekend warriors where they just do a bunch of things over the weekends and they really tear their bodies apart. I mean, you're having fun. So I'm always going to say fun is above anything else. If you're having fun, that's awesome. But at the expense of you're putting your body through a lot in a very short amount of time, like less than 48 hours. And then throughout the week you're working and you're not moving as much um, or you're just not spreading out that intense activity and exercise from the weekend over the work week. And then you can kind of see the parallel with that with season changes too, like what you're saying with climbing a lot in the summer um, and then skiing a lot in the winter. And when you have this buildup of the same exercise or movement over and over without any breaks, because you're kind of treating the season as like a weekend warrior, for example, you're like, I got to get it in. I got to do as much as possible. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm all for movement. I'm all for people doing what makes them happy and what's fun. And if you're taking full advantage of the season you're in, especially in Minnesota, when the summer seasons are so short, I think it's great. I'm not not saying that that's bad at all. I just think it's hard because we are starting to enter, you know, later 20s, mid to later 20s, where our bodies aren't the same as when we were 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. The resiliency that our body has, unfortunately, goes down from here. Um, Not trying to be like pessimistic about it, but that's just kind of the fact that you have to give yourself more breaks and it's okay. And as we get older, those breaks will become even more important. And it's not just a body break, it's a mind break too. And finding the balance between rest and play so that it actually is a true balance throughout the whole week, throughout the whole year, across all seasons is the most optimal way you could do it. So making sure that 
you're not pushing yourself to your absolute limits all the time. I would say most of the time is perfectly fine, but you're still incorporating um, thoughtful, intentional rest um, days, parts of your season. Uh, that is just as important to your body as the movement is. You know, movement is medicine. And I think the best form of exercise that you could do is the one you're going to do. That's what I tell my patients all the time is that, like, I'm not going to ever tell you to do one specific exercise. I do think strength training is one of the best things out there for you. But I just know from personal experience that people will do the exercise that they like to do. And so if you have something in your life, whatever sort of movement that might be, whether it's walking, whether it's strength training, yoga, running, Pilates, skiing, rock climbing, um, freestyle dancing, whatever it might be, just do like just do it and keep going with it because motion is lotion and it's going to keep you really, really healthy. But finding that balance is so important because the patients I see always fall into two categories underdoers and overdoers. And it's very hard for people to ever find that happy medium. People will either not do enough or they'll do way too much. And that's how they end up in PT because they're overdoing it or underdoing it. And you have to find the balance in between. Rest and play are equally important. What injuries tend to be worse, overuse or underuse? Honestly, I feel like the over the overdoers they struggle the most because they don't know how to dial it back. They have a really hard time being okay with slowing down and having days where they are, they have to be on the lighter intensity side. Um, I think a lot of people who are underdoers can find the motivation through PT to realize, okay, I probably should do whatever this is a couple times a week because it's good for me. But it's harder, I've noticed, to convince the overdoers, the people who come in who are very recreationally active, no matter what their age, to listen to PT say, hey, you got to slow it down a little bit here. You, you can't just run your body through a meat grinder every weekend, you know. And a lot of times, like, so for example, tennis elbow is a classic overuse injury. It's more so known as lateral epicondylitis now because it's not just tennis that causes it. It's mm-hmm. repetitive motions. And so yoga, for example, often people come in and and they're just doing so many chaturangas over and over and over. And they might have a muscular imbalance where there's some weakness through their upper body that is allowing the elbow to take on most of that load and then cause the tendons there to be more sore and irritated And that's why they're feeling pain. Well, trying to tell these people you got to dial it back on yoga can be hard because that's part of their, you know, daily practice. It's part of their identity. I do yoga every day. It makes me feel good. makes me feel happy. But we got to find ways to modify it, right? Like we have to find ways to give your body a little bit of a chance to rest while still doing what you love and keeping your body moving. So I think... Anytime you can modify, if you can't completely pull it back, is better than just completely ignoring your body and pushing through the pain. Overdoers always push through the pain, and then they are surprised when they come in and they're, they have some sort of major injury and, and muscular imbalance that's been there for years. So I feel like you're experiencing this as well. 
just from your face. Yeah, no, I had a stress, like an upper tibia stress fracture for running. So mm-hmm. I decided to buy a mountain bike and switch from mm-hmm. running to biking. Well, good and job. Thank you. I just channeled it to another place. And now that I'm running a lot again, it like feels like it's coming back. But I think I'm also just like nervous. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just a little bit of a some shin splint moments right now. But well, and shin splints, because it's the bone reacting, it's it's mm-hmm. not strong enough for the reactive forces that you're putting on it. Weightlifting would be excellent if you're not already doing it like heavy weightlifting. So, I, I, <laughs> I like I I will weight lift because I know that mm-hmm. it's really helpful with the activities that I do. Mm-hmm. I just hate it so much. Like it's just not fun for me, and I think mm-hmm. it's partially just because I don't like the vibe of the lifting area oh at the gym. I wish um, we had a Barbie only gym, like a Barbie pink girls gym. I know. I don't. I genuinely. I when I'm working out I like don't want guys there they're so fucking annoying sorry Mm -hmm. for the Um, (laughs) f-bomb I okay I used to really enjoy so like I used to have a climbing membership and like I would lift with my super great pal at the gym and like that was fun to me Mm because for the most part he was helpful and not mansplainy um oh good we love that yeah, like he did um, give me some tips on some stuff that I was doing. And it was like helpful. He's very good about like not being annoying about giving advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like I don't want to work out with boys. I don't want them there. I like going on a run with a guy. But like I don't need them at the gym being like, oh, I'm so big and <laughs> Well, oh, look, you're not lifting as much as I'm lifting. Oh, you know, it's bad for you. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, go away. There was actually a time this summer. This is hilarious. Uh, Nora, m- one of my sisters, and I, we were working at, out at the gym um, at the Lifetime by my parents' house when I was staying there, studying for my boards exam. Mm-hmm. And we were doing lateral pull downs um, on the cable machine. And this kid who was probably like 15 came over to us and he was like, hey guys. And I was, I was listening to my headphones. So I thought maybe for a second, he was just asking if we were done with the machine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's up? And he was like, you should stick your chest out more when you're pulling it down. Cause that'll engage your chest better. And then he just kind of nodded. Like he was like the coolest guy ever. And then walked away. And Nora and I looked at each other because like, I'm a physical therapist <laughs> and he felt like he needed to give us advice when we didn't ask it. And I didn't say anything cause he's just a kid and yeah, I know, like I didn't want to make him feel really bad, but if he was an older guy, I potentially would have put him on the spot and been like, Oh, that's great. Uh, so I actually have my doctorate in physical therapy. <laughs> I actually know <laughs> and- a lot about this. Yeah, I actually have an undergrad degree in bro science, if you can believe that. Exercise science is the bro science. So, unfortunately, I understand that pain of, um, as a female in the weight room, it often feels like all eyes are on you, and there's a lot of judgment, and that you're doing everything wrong, even if you literally know 
what you're doing. Like when I go, Mm -hmm. I still feel that. And so that's why I think it would be so great to have a Barbies only gym, you know, just girls, just the ladies coming in and working out and cheering each other on and have no bad vibes. Cause I think so many women would benefit from weight training. I mean, we know that women are just at a higher risk for osteoporosis and lower bone mineral density. And yeah. I have so many thoughts on that because, okay, not a lot of people know this, but during, which like also you're allowed to like correct me on some of this, but during the early years of your life, when you're menstruating, that's like when your body builds up the most bone density and then once you hit a certain age, you like stop building bone density and it only goes down or like you only lose mm-hmm. it from there. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Right? Yeah, I believe so, because it has to do with hormones as well. And hormones just play such a vital role in your strength and um, bone strength. And so that's why you can be proactive now when your body is probably at its peak you know, we might not think we're at our peak fitness, but mm-hmm. we are at our peak health right now in our um, middle, young, later 20s, even 30s. I consider that young. And so if you can be proactive now to keep your bones really strong by weight training, because why that helps your bones is the tendons and the muscles pull on the bone and then the bone has reactive forces that cause it to lay down stronger, harder bone. So when you can build up a better base before you get to that point, that's awesome. But yeah, once you get through menopause, things change drastically in terms of your hormones and um, your bones get weaker. You also could just be at a genetic predisposition, I believe. And so wanting to check with like your family members and see if osteoporosis is common in your family, if your mom has it, if your grandma has it, aunts, cousins. Yeah. So, okay. So where I was going with the one part of that was when you're young and if you're like over exercising and like under eating and you lose your period for a while or you like Mm -hmm. the arrival of your period is like really delayed, which is a common thing in like young female athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, that can end up affecting your bone density for life with the postponement of your period due to undereating and overexercise. So, um, I don't know where my thought process was going with that, but lifting that does sound right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you're, if you like already kind of know, like, Hey, yeah, my period was, didn't show up till significantly late in life. Mm hmm probably should lift weights to help build back that bone density and then just be more aware that you might be prone to like stress injuries. Yeah. Especially if you have any like high impact activities, Mm -hmm. it's hard because there's a trade-off, right? Because high impact, high impact and load bearing activities is good for your bones, but also can be bad. So having a good, again, it all comes back to balance, balance between your high impact load bearing exercises, like running, um, plyometrics, any sort of like that pounding motion, that force is going to directly impact the bone and create stronger bones. But if you're doing that too much, too often for too long, that's where you run into issues like shin splints. And so you also want to make sure that you're keeping 
other muscles strong so that they're also taking part of the load. A frequent thing with runners is that they forget that they need glutes. They need hip strength. And they just, they're all quad, all, I mean, sometimes they're hamstring, all quad and very lean and don't build up those hips. And the hips are important stabilizers and you need those for reducing the forces when you run. And um, a lot of times when people come in who are runners, like trail running, long distance running, um, very lean, very low body uh, fat and very strong but they just have muscular imbalances. And so the hip stabilizers need to work better. And if you just Google clamshell, clamshell exercise PT, that's a really good basis to start off in. If you're a runner and you are like, man, maybe I should listen to Hannah and do some hip strengthening. Just start with the clamshell, get those hip abductors working, get the glute med turned on and, and go from there and do a lot of lateral motions. Um, that is very good advice, especially oftentimes, mm-hmm. I think with female, not, I think with female bodies, sometimes your hip, like your hips are tend to be like a wider point of your body. So that like puts mm-hmm. pressures on your knee. If you're running, like if this is just yeah. not running stuff. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's how a lot of women end up complaining about knee stuff with running because their hips aren't strong enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Cause men have a, a narrower, less intense angle from their hips to their knees. And women, like you said, our hips are, ten- we tend to just have wider hips. So the angle of force is, is different and more significant. And so that's why you see like a lot of soccer injuries at the knee and people who are running, who are female identifying, female at birth, they're just, they're typically going to have that angle be increased. And so they're going to have a higher load or um, impact on the leg bones. So femur, tibia, not the fibula, because that is not a load bearing bone. I recently learned in the last year. So if you break your fibula, it's fine. You can just walk on it. Really? Yeah, because it's not load bearing. It doesn't take any load. It's just your tibia. That's kind of wild, actually. I know. So if you break your fibula, it's like, okay. <laughs> it's just Whatever. a muscle attack. Yeah. Damn. That's kind of wild. So as long as we're talking about the gals, do I talk about female health? I don't think I've Yeah. Anybody. But yeah. Yeah. I think, okay, right off the bat, ladies are not eating enough protein. Let's eat protein. Let's have some protein. I don't care if it's a shake. I don't care if it's a protein powder. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't care what it is, but we're just not getting enough protein in our diets. Um, I know it sounds very bro science to say that. Many guys are like, gotta get my protein in. I gotta oh. bulk. Yeah. Ladies, we're just not, we're not getting it. And I think it's really, really good for your blood glucose to stabilize throughout the day because you have consistent protein and it's just good for women to have enough protein in our diet to keep our muscles strong too because again you don't have to be weight training I think it's 
very great if you can, even if it's lightweight. But if you're doing any sort of activity, you need to replenish your muscles with protein. So if you are someone who's mountain biking, if you are someone who's rock climbing, um, fast walking, hiking, any of that, you need protein. You got to get your protein in. A lot of people neglect that in their diet and they don't realize how important it is. And when people come in, um, one of the things I ask about is sleep and nutrition. And it's very surface level. It's not like I need to know every single hour that you're asleep or everything you ate throughout the day. But I just need to know, are you getting good quality sleep and are you eating enough throughout the day that you're getting a good amount of protein in and you're also drinking a lot of water? That's also important. People just don't realize how important nutrition and sleep are to their general well-being, especially as women. Um, those two things just often are put on the back burner and we think, I just have to work out more. I just have to work harder. I just have to move more. I need to do a weekend warrior and just do a lot this weekend. You can do a lot of really good things for your health every day on a smaller scale on a lower intensity. You know, if you're getting 30 grams of protein about per meal, that's excellent. It's, I mean, unless you're already doing that, it is hard. Like a lot of people don't realize they are under eating protein. They're not getting enough of it in and then they're not getting enough sleep either. So if you can adjust sleep and protein and find some sort of movement that makes you happy, without overdoing it, then I would say you're, you're definitely on the right track for feeling good. No, I think that for sure. So many, I feel like for so long, especially like, I feel like our age group grew up with moms who were trying their best, but had the nineties diet mindset. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it was kind of just like, Yep, kind of ingrained in us not to really have protein or a lot of it, or it's like such a low, a low thing. It's just like veggies, 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 a little mm-hmm. bit of fruit, and like maybe a little bit of a super lean protein. Where a it's Weight like, Watchers microwavable meal. Oh my god, fucking Weight Watchers yeah. and those goddamn points. Oh, mm-hmm. I could vent about Weight Watchers. I hate Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. It is just repackaging and eating disorder. I get some yep. people, it has helped them get to a healthy weight, but at what fucking cost? Mm-hmm. I fucking hate Weight Sorry, I'm really using the F-bomb. I hate no, Weight Watchers. I, I, I hate, hate Weight Watchers. Weight. Yeah. Like, we all know. Any sort of brand just, like that. It's just a different form of calorie counting. It's a different form of macros, but, like, not in a good way. Like, it's – I don't know. I think I'm very intrigued by the thought of counting macros, but I also feel like that can easily – It's overwhelming, honestly. It's overwhelming for me. And I feel like I could easily become just, like, obsessive with it. But, Mm -hmm. like, eat your protein. Yeah. And I think – It's good for you. It's so good for you. I think a really easy way to start with that too is just, so I really like those um, Fairlife protein shakes and the Core Power um, protein shakes. You can get them at the gas station. Like I get them from Mm -hmm. the gas station. And I just get ones that are 30 grams or more of protein. There's some that are 42, which is even better. And I just keep a couple of those in my fridge consistently because I'm a lazy girl and I'm busy Mm -hmm. and 
I just try to make it a point of like, okay, if I didn't have time to make breakfast in the morning because I'm running behind, which is very often, I do not have my life together like many people might believe. Um, I like to wake up 7.15. I work at 8. I just throw on some clothes and sometimes I uh, get breakfast um, going if I have, um, like right now I have these little breakfast sandwiches that are 28 grams of protein, so like almost 30, but I just got from the store because they're they're easy they're frozen and yeah you know what I know there's probably things in there that aren't the best for me but let's pick our poison I just want to get some protein in okay so that's like my goal with that I'm not perfect I never will be perfect I'm sure I could have a, a even better breakfast than that but it, right now I just I don't have the motivation or time it's mostly motivation so just make it easy just get something quick like a shake or protein powder and turn it into a shake Get mm-hmm. stuff that already has the amount of protein on it that's easy to get together. Like those sandwiches take 30 seconds to microwave. And then I flip it over and microwave it another 30 seconds. And then I start the day knowing like, this is awesome. I started it on a good note. I got my protein in. Mm-hmm. And it's going to satiate you for most of the morning because protein takes the longest to digest. Out of protein, carbs, and fat protein, it will take the longest. So if you can at least pair something that you eat every day with some sort of protein that is good for your blood sugar, it's going to slow down the digestion and the absorption of that blood sugar. Yeah. I I think once you like notice it and start putting in the conscious effort of getting in more protein, it helps so mm-hmm. much. Like this morning, I forgot to pack lunch, but I just like ran down to the school coffee shop and they had two hard boiled eggs. Like that little package of hard-boiled eggs. And I was like, oh, perfect. Not not the best breakfast, but it was the best breakfast for me in that moment because it was better than nothing. Exactly. And I kept... Exactly. Exactly. Win for you. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. No, I've been trying harder. But like, honestly, hard-boiled eggs, easy win for the day. Mm -hmm. Or like if I am... Um... I I'm a I a chronic like forget to get a meal and then I'm out and about and I'm like I'm hungry. Why didn't mm-hmm. I eat before doing the things? Mm-hmm. Just getting some hard boiled eggs or a protein bar. Find one that works with your tummy because I know some people are more sensitive to different protein like substitution esque things than others. Mm-hmm. But like it'll keep you full long enough to make like a better decision for your next meal instead of like just like eating a bunch of chips great yeah Yeah. and if you do want to eat the chips like also do that okay is there something if is there something you can pair it with like cheese like I'm a cheese girl I love cheese Mm -hmm. and that's just one example but like you know there's going to be some protein in that so that's going to be a good pairing or you could do nuts um nuts are really good like almonds cashews um peanuts any sort of nut is going to be really good for getting some protein in it. It's like trail mix, for example. Um, there's also legumes. So beans, beans are awesome. Beans also just have a bunch of other side effects, positive side effects for the body. Like um, there's a whole podcast I listened to about beans. <laughs> that was really interesting. Um, really? That's why, I, yeah, that on TikTok, there is a trending like 14 bean soup or something crazy, like mixed beans. And beans are just really good for you there's tons of variety find one that you like mix it in with 
whatever you have for dinner. A, a classic thing that I like to do is just a homemade Chipotle bowl. And um, that makes a ton of meals for the week, too. If you like to meal prep, you just do some rice, do some chicken or tofu or beef with um, Tex-Mex mix, mm-hmm. uh, do whatever veggies, do salsa, do sour cream, do corn, What you know, pick your poison like you're at Chipotle and like throw some beans in there because that's extra protein. I love tofu too. Tofu is always a good option, but mm-hmm. just get creative and don't feel like you have to be you know, boxed into any corner when it comes to what you're eating. Just, it's very similar to movement. Eat what makes you happy, right? And I I like to correct people. I learned this from someone else and I, I love this saying, there's no good or bad foods. There's just sometimes foods and always foods. And for example, the foods we know as quote unquote healthy. So let's say any sort of plant, like beans, corn, squash, lettuce, tomatoes, all of the all the vegetables, fruits. I would consider those always foods because it's great to have plants like whole foods into your in your diet. And then there's sometimes foods, and that could look different for everybody because some people have food sensitivities, um, some people have uh, food preferences. Like for me, I like spicy foods, but I know it's not good on my gut, so those are sometimes <laughs> foods. Yeah, you know, I... so. Be with that. Yeah. Yeah. I have another question. Mm -hmm. So this is, we might get a little talking about, I don't know how I want to phrase this, because it's not about sex, but it's kind of about sex. Or it's about an area of the body in relation to sex. Love it. Is it the pelvic Uh, floor? It is the pelvic floor. I want to talk about that. Because A, I think too many gals... Or I think too many people think that it's like normal to have pain with sex, which is oh, really it's really not. Like it's not oh, supposed gosh. to hurt. Yeah. Um I think pelvic floor health and like health in general in that area, it's like it, it's not talked about enough and oftentimes mm-hmm. your concerns or thoughts or feelings are overlooked and ignored because female pain's not real pain um yeah and i feel like as a person that pelvic floor pt and health is like a newer thing not a newer Mm -hmm. thing because like it's always existed but like not a super accessible thing maybe yeah it's not it's not super accessible um so do i talk about right away yeah right away i would say if you have Instagram, go follow Vagina Rehab Doc. She is awesome. She is the pelvic health guru. She's a physical therapist with her um, women's health certification or specialty certification. So there's a variety of different specialties you can become certified in in the PT realm. And women's health is one of them. I think they're transitioning the name over to pelvic health now because they know that that doesn't just include women, that everyone has a (laughs) pelvic floor. Everyone has a pelvic floor. Men are shocked to hear that. They're like, what do you mean I have a pelvic floor? Everyone has the same muscles down there. It's just different presentation. (laughs) Yeah. And like, so it's, Typically women, though, who have pelvic floor issues, I'd say most, um, doesn't mean that men and male identify or male at birth um, individuals 
don't have issues at the pelvic floor just because their anatomy is different. It's just typically we see pelvic floor problems arise more with women. Mm-hmm. And so that can be for a variety of reasons. Um, pain with sex is unfortunately too common and it is not normal. So you should not be having pain with sex. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm definitely not an expert on pelvic floor yet. I would love to pursue a women's health specialty uh, later down the line because I think I just I'm very comfortable talking about this topic. It, yeah, it's something that I, I I feel like I could chat with anybody about who wants to listen. So I love this question a lot. I think it's very much not talked about enough. Like, so people just don't know about it because there's this taboo regarding um, female pleasure in sex and mm-hmm. thinking that we are supposed to have pain. I mean, one of the first things women f- are told is that your first sexual encounter will probably hurt. Mm-hmm. And that is already setting us up for associating pain with sex. And yeah. that's not normal. No. And also telling boys that at a young age of, you know, like it's probably going to hurt the girl is the same thing. You're associating sex and women and pain all in the same category. And that's, that's not right. And so I think the biggest thing with pain with sex is that women are often not ready for having sex in the way that men are, are ready for having sex. Um, something that was really interesting, a, a really cool video I saw also on TikTok that explained this really well was from two sex educators. And it is so on par with pelvic health physical therapy um, because they were talking about how intricate the pelvic floor in that region is in terms of like nerve endings and our pleasure centers in our brain. And again, everyone has the same pelvic floor, just different presenting. We have the same muscles. Thing that the the piping is just different down there. That's all it is. Is the <laughs> as, as how you pee is a little different. Yeah. Right? But men or male at birth people who have a penis just have a different timeline than women or female at birth anatomy people do in terms of arousal. The penis can get aroused very, very quickly. Vagina, well, I guess the vulva, not aroused as quickly. Uh, Typically speaking, this isn't everybody, vice versa for the penis as well. And so thinking that like, because the penis is ready, the vulva is ready is wrong. They're two different presentations of arousal. You can get an erection very quickly, but then the female anatomy does not get ready very quickly. It takes some time. It's it's like, I think they've done some research on this of like, the penis can get ready for sex very, very quickly, like within a minute, sometimes even seconds. Whereas women, it can take 10 to 20 minutes And so rushing that process along and thinking the other person is going to have an enjoyable experience is not fair. And so that's where like the pelvic floor education, again, this is like an area I feel like I would do perfectly fine with educating people on this. It's I'm totally comfortable with it, as you can tell. You should become a Um, sex expert. I would actually love to be a sex therapist. There's only a handful of 
PTs who are also certified sex therapists in the country. I think it's like seven or eight. Yeah. And that just can really, really help with patient education because sex is an activity of daily living and PTs and OTs treat people for getting better at their activities of daily living. And and again, it's because sex is a taboo subject in the United States. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to admit that it's a part of their life. And it's, hey, it's a movement. Circling yeah. back to the main topic at hand, it's a movement. If, that, if that's the movement you enjoy doing, <laughs> I love that for you. And you should do it. I know. With a consenting partner. I know. Again, I'm currently taking applications because I'm not... Uh, <laughs> Not getting that movement in, and I need the balance. You do. You need balance. Um, uh. But yeah, so I think that's actually a good tie-in too. So again, it's it's something where people just don't want to talk about it because they feel uncomfy, right? They feel yeah. like they feel shame. They feel embarrassment. They feel nervous. They feel like, oh, well, this is like, I don't know what questions to ask. I don't know if this is the right question. I feel like I can't talk to my partner about this. I can't express like, hey, can we slow things down? Or like, I need more foreplay. That's a, a really big thing that pelvic health therapists often have to encourage many women that you need to slow down the process of um, penetration of the penis to the vagina because you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. You take like 10 to 20 minutes. They take like seconds to minutes. There's an imbalance there. So you need to find what that looks like for you and your partner. If that's the anatomy you're working with, obviously not every person or couple has those anatomies. You could have two female at birth anatomies going on and two male at birth anatomies going on. And those are a whole separate issue of what does that look like? And that's something I would love to pursue as well with pelvic health. Um, the APTA has done a really good job at being so much more inclusive with pelvic health of knowing mm-hmm. that not everyone is just a guy and a girl. There's yeah. a whole spectrum in between. And so that's something I, I definitely don't know enough about right now to feel like I could talk about confidently, mm-hmm. but the foreplay is for sure something that people just don't realize is vital to reducing pain with sex. And that takes conversation, that takes communication, that takes being with someone who's going to respect that things maybe aren't going well, well for you. And you also admitting that and many mm-hmm. women are people. We just want to feel like we're doing a good job and often associate sex with like our value in a relationship and think like, oh, I'm providing this service to my partner. Well, it's just as important to you, right? Or it could be. Maybe sex Mm -hmm. isn't as important to you as this other person. But if it's something that you want to be a part of your relationship that you associate positively, you have to make sure your needs are being met and that you're talking very candidly about these topics with your partner. And if you're unsure where to start, a really good way to get into it is to um, look up. So we're not really strangers is a game that we love to play. Yes, and there are really cool extension packs that revolve sex that you can play with your friends. You can play with your partner. And someone recently told me that after they have sex with their partner, they will ask each other one question from this deck and it just helps them become more intimate and 
feel more connected after the fact and and feel like okay so we have some room for growth and some areas that like I really love when you do this and I really love when you do that like make sure you're giving positive feedback too people forget like Mm -hmm. tell that person what you like that they are already doing so that they keep doing it right and women also just we have such a disconnect again with our bodies it can all tie back with movement Every single person I meet, every single patient I meet is going to have a different preferred method for movement. And it's the same thing when it comes to sex and the health of your pelvic floor. Damn. Rant over. (laughs) I was going to say, I I like the sex talk. We did go a little off topic. Um, That's okay. Oh, yeah. Cut as much as you want. um, Do you have any other stuff on like pelvic floor? Mm-hmm. Many runners don't realize that that's a lot of stress on your pelvic floor. Wait, actually? Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, the pounding motion. So I did a in-service at one of my hospitals that I worked at on pregnancy rehab and mm-hmm. worked with my clinical instructor who was a pursuing women's health as a specialty And she and I were talking about some things that are very unknown in terms of just people don't realize the effects of different things on the pelvic floor until they have an issue with it. And running is often associated with some pelvic floor dysfunction. Doesn't mean that you should stop running. Doesn't mean that you should not run. It just means that that pounding motion, um, can directly impact and transmit right up into the pelvic floor. And so you can have some weakness there and being proactive about your pelvic floor health and strengthening the pelvic floor proactively with a pelvic floor therapist can be really good. And if you don't want to pursue PT, because again, PT is not always accessible for everyone. Healthcare Mm -hmm. is fortunately very expensive getting the right access to individuals that are going to gel well with you isn't always the most accessible. Um, so just look up, you know, pelvic floor exercises. You can find a lot of things on the internet and you're going to be fine with that too. Obviously, if you want more, see a PT, but that vagina rehab doc on Instagram, she's wonderful. She's, she keeps it real. She's a really wonderful, um, role model of mine for pelvic health because mm-hmm. she's very personable. She she talks about sex positions when you're having pain. She talks about um, postpartum care. Um, unfortunately, there is also something called vulvodynia, which is a very high sensitivity in the vulva region of female anatomy that just gets extremely sensitive to touch and is very, very painful. And that often um, causes women who are experiencing it to feel like something's wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with you. It Mm -hmm. just might require um, more time with a pelvic floor PT. So if you do feel like you're having a lot of pain, I wouldn't suggest just Googling things. I would suggest definitely seeing a pelvic floor therapist because intense pain, burning, feeling like a burning sensation or stabbing sensation with that region that is really, really uncomfortable. And it doesn't have to just be with sex. It can be with a lot of things um, revolving the pelvic floor. 
I would seek out a medical professional about that who can point you in the direction of a really good pelvic health physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Something like that. (laughs) I feel like the more I run, the more. Well, and that's the thing is I don't want anyone to feel like they shouldn't run. Running is great. No, I I agree with that. I think it's just more so like, oh, it has felt different down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe and I so should look up some things that I should do. Yeah, so something you can start off with is Kegels. Um, okay, I don't know how to do a Kegel. I <laughs> I don't understand how to do it. Okay, so one thing you can do is. This is a really funny description I heard a pelvic health therapist uh, use once. So I want you to imagine that you're kind of drawing up and in a blueberry. So if you had to like... I don't understand that. How do you... if, If you're having a really hard time doing it yourself, that's like a motor coordination issue as well. So your pelvic floor and you are just a little disconnected. That's where I would recommend seeing someone in person because then you, they can do more hands-on things that they have like tools, they have um, like biofeedback is something too, where you can have different electrodes placed on muscles down there. It's not going to zap you or anything, but it just shows you like with sound and um Sometimes like if there's a monitor with waves on it, it'll show you if you're contracting a muscle because it'll go off and the sound will go off versus relaxing. And that can be a really good retraining tool for if things down there are not turning on how they should. Because like right now, like because I understand my pelvic floor and I'm connected with it in that way, I can do that sensation or that movement that I described very easily, like the drawing up and in of a blueberry and then the relaxation of it back down. So if you have a difficult time with that, that's where I would say you need extra help. I'm like trying to do it right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hard because it's like there's really no visual. On on this podcast episode, Reese learns how to do a Kegel. Yeah, it's not like Kegel. It's interchangeable, honestly. It's some guy's name, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard because it's not like a video of a bicep curl. You can just see how it's done. It's yeah. It's it's a very small movement because those those muscles aren't super big. But the more yeah. you can be proactive again, like similar to what I was saying about weight training um, for bone health, the more proactive you can be about pelvic floor training, especially if you want to have kids, um, like biologically. Pregnancy is just hard on the pelvic floor. That's a pretty known fact that there's a lot of changes that happen with pregnancy and giving birth. And so trying to be proactive about keeping that area healthy ahead of time and strong and like you have a connection to it can make afterwards go a lot smoother and like during birth go a lot smoother. (laughs) Um. That is actually really good to, like, think about, like, Mm -hmm. especially just working on your pelvic floor health now. So then if you do choose to have children, like, that way, um, that way you're just, like, more prepared for it. 
Yeah. Just so it doesn't run train on your body. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the silly end of the week brain. Like, this is. I, always, I always joke that on Fridays, not everyone works at my clinic on Fridays. I'm one of yeah. the only people who works, and there's one other PT. I love her. She's so funny. We just have like dumb brain on Friday because the week is just so much. And then by Friday, your brain's done. So you're just like saying really silly stuff. So she had me, she gave me a coffee last week. She didn't drink that. She was like, oh, this got kind of cold and I don't want it anymore. And it was like just lukewarm. And I was like, I'll take it. I need caffeine. Yeah. And she's like, what does it taste like? And I go, it's definitely a flavor. (laughs) And... She kind of looked what? at me like, like, what flavor? And that was my response. <laughs> and she was, yeah, but what flavor? <laughs> like, that that was my genuine response. I go, it's definitely a flavor. Yeah. And as opposed to what, Hannah? Like, it's something. Friday brain is, so this is like the precursor to Friday brain is Thursday night brain. No, there's, by the time Thursday night hits... There's like three brain cells rubbing themselves together to mm-hmm. do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to get your rest in because I know. the mind and the body are similar and they, they just need a break here and there. Don't overdo it. Don't underdo it. Find that happy in between. Um, <laughs> a couple things that I would suggest too that I feel like have helped me immensely especially with the communication about sex or just like mm-hmm. separate thing, pelvic health. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy listening to the podcast Sex with Emily. I feel like she gives Ooh. a lot of good tips and advice with in all aspects of like sexual health, whether mm-hmm. it be like the act of having sex or just anything and everything in relation to that and the pelvic floor. Um, and then as far as I'm going to die on this hill and whatnot, but I think the best movie to watch to learn how to communicate with your partner a little bit, watch the movie Two Night Stand. It has like Miles Teller in it and mm. they they have a chat because, you know, it's a two night stand. So there's a chunk of time in between the second night. Um, they really dive into chatting about what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy things the other one could maybe improve on and I think being comfortable enough with a partner to be able to chat about that stuff is very valuable it makes life better for the both of you absolutely and, and I, I will think die for that movie it's a it it is a good little icebreaker on how to have that combo so watch it with a partner if you'd like or watch it alone okay. and I think that brings up a really good point and that we just have to be brave enough to say something and not feel embarrassed. I mean, if you're with somebody that cares about you, you shouldn't feel embarrassed or shameful of speaking up about your needs and what those look like for you. And that might actually take a little bit of like personal reflection first before you bring it up. And like Mm -hmm. maybe you journal about it and maybe you figure out, okay, what is it that would help? What does that look like? And it could be 
you know, intimacy related. It might not have anything to do with the physical. It could just be, I need to feel more connected to you before and after. And that's very easy to fix as long as the other person can respect your wishes to work on that. And um, hopefully they do. And if they don't, then you have a little bit more reflection to perhaps have. Because I've had that too. I've had partners that that conversation does not turn out well. But that's a a good thing for you to learn too of like, is this person the one I want to be with? Because if they can't respect your needs and your wishes, then I think that's just setting things up for a not great thing. So if you are with someone that you love deeply and loves you back deeply and um, cares about you and you care about them, then that should go really well. And it should be a really positive thing to help your relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, on that note, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Like, rate, subscribe follow us um i get that this conversation took a turn where we really touched base on all the different types of movement and Mm -hmm. i appreciate you listening because i think more girls should be talking about these things absolutely thanks for having me vent in all ways in all forms i think it's it's fun to have these conversations i think it's fun too thank you for coming on hannah i'm sure we'll have Mm -hmm. you back (laughs) thanks